0: Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. We are now offering virtual tours to celebrate the 200th anniversary of Mother Seton's death. These half-hour tours bring you within the home of a saint, and you can visit from the safety of your own home. Learn more at setonshrine.org virtual tours. Now here's Father Ted gospel today presents our Lord with a very busy day in Capernaum. If you remember from last week, he had just preached in the synagogue and driven out a demon in a very dramatic fashion, and then right after that, he he leaves the synagogue, he comes into the house of Simon Peter. Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick, and he immediately cures her, and then word of all this gets around town. The people hear that he's casting out demons, he's curing the sick, and so as soon as the sun sets and the synagogue and the Sabbath is over, they start bringing on their shoulders all their sick and all the people that are possessed by demons. And then he goes about curing them as well, healing them, casting out the demons. And you'd think that, okay, after all this, our Lord is going to get some well-deserved rest. But no, he wakes up very early. He leaves town and he's praying outside the city district. And so the apostles go out to meet him, to find him. And they're telling him, hey, you should stay here, you should, you know, continue to abide in in Capernaum. And he says, no, I need to go out, I need to continue my mission. Like, he's not somebody who is resting on his laurels. He has an urgent mission he has to accomplish. There is some sort of fervor in him. It is not a, a vacation he is on. His ministry is active. And the consequences of omitting doing what he came to do seemed to be rather dire. And what did he come to do? What does he so desperately need to do? He told the apostles, Let us go to the nearby towns, that I may preach there also. For this purpose I have come. There was one scholar who said that Twenty verses preceding this, they all culminate here. They were leading up to this. This is the climax. Like This is what this part of Mark's gospel was trying to get to. He has been sent from the Father's bosom with this purpose, to preach the gospel. Now, you might be thinking that last week we were talking about how Jesus came to earth to cast out demons. But now we're saying that our Lord came to earth in order to preach the gospel. And so which is it? Did he come to cast out demons or to preach the gospel? And of course, we don't need to create an opposition between. It's not an either-or. He came to do the both. Thing. Preaching the gospel and casting out demons, they are a package deal. They are part and parcel of his ministry. Just think about when there is an oppressive government that you need to remove, that is immorally... Influencing the people or immorally enforcing laws, you first have to get rid of that government, and then you have to place, you have to establish a new one, a just government. You have to remove the dictator, and then you can establish a fair government. And that's what our Lord is doing. He is casting out Satan, the prince of this world, and he is establishing his kingdom through the preaching of the good news. And Paul's words to the Corinthians show just how urgent. He also considered this ministry of preaching. In the second reading, we heard Paul say, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel, for an obligation to do so has been imposed on me. Paul is not preaching the gospel because he's good at it. Paul is not preaching the gospel because he has free time. Paul is not preaching the gospel as a volunteer work. He has been given a mission from God to do this. And the consequences of not fulfilling that mission are going to be dire, and he would have to face a very stern judgment if he omits that ministry of preaching the gospel. His words, Paul's words, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel? That's something we should all be able to say. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Mark makes it very clear that everybody is supposed to be associated with this mission of our Lord. Because notice, our Lord said, let us go to the nearby towns. He didn't say, I am going. He is inviting, he is incorporating his disciples into that mission of his. And that's what Mark's Christian readers would have understood. This is an exhortation addressed to them. Let us go. And this is not just something for the professional evangelists. It's not just for something that, for people that have received a unique vocation. It's not just for the successors of the apostles, the bishops. It's not just for catechists or professional theologians. This is an obligation which is imposed upon each and everybody who calls themselves a follower of Christ. As the Second Vatican Council taught, laymen have countless opportunities for exercising the apostolate of evangelization and sanctification. We're probably all familiar with the uh, St. Vincent de Paul Society, the worldwide Catholic charitable organization, and based upon its name, there are a number of people, including myself, who for a while thought it was founded by Vincent de Paul, the saint from the 16th century, from the um, 1600s in France, who founded the Daughters of Charity, who founded the Order of the Mission, and he also started this society that he named after himself. That's actually not the case. St. Vincent de Paul Society was not founded in the 1600s, but it was founded in the 1800s by another Frenchman, by the name of Frederick Azunel. And Frederick was not a priest. He was not a religious. He was a 20-year-old college student who, with seven of his friends, decided to start this organization. And it's not as if he dedicated his whole life's work to it either. He was its founder and he guided it. But he went on to graduate with a degree in literature. He became a professor of law and eventually a judge. But the work that he began 200 years ago, it continues today. In 142 countries with 750,000 active members preaching the gospel through their charitable works. We are all called to contribute. Now, why is that the case? Why is it that we need to do something as well? Most importantly, because God chose preaching as a means to effect salvation. Because only if people hear about the gospel are they going to be able to believe in it. And without faith, you cannot be saved. But also because as Simon Peter put it in today's Gospel, everybody is looking for Christ. Like, they need Christ to be saved, and also, they're looking for Him. Whether they know it or not, everybody on earth, every human being that's ever been created, is looking for Christ. It's the longing of the human heart that He alone can fill. There are some words that are often attributed to St. Augustine, which beautifully portray this, where St. Augustine puts these words in Christ's mouth, where Christ tells us, are you looking for peace? You are looking for me. Are you looking for truth? You're looking for me. Are you looking for love? You're looking for me. Are you looking for happiness? You're looking for me. Because only in him is there to be found fullness of peace and truth and love and happiness. We evangelize others because we are convinced that we possess the fullness of truth and the fullness of love. Only Christ's truth can guide our darkened minds. Only Christ's love can calm the anxieties of our troubled hearts. And this is why we preach the fullness of the gospel, not just bits and pieces, not just the parts of the gospel, the parts of our faith that are agreeable to other people, the fullness, the entirety, because everything that we believe in is a gift from God to man. We are not imposing obligations on other people when we show them the truth. We are freeing them from the shackles of sin. We are leading them and guiding them to the only place and way of life where they will find abiding happiness. And when we do that, we're going to find what our hearts are looking for as well. Because it's, all, it's always good to receive, but it's much better to give. You know, just think on Christmas, we all like getting Christmas gifts, that's something we look forward to, hopefully. But it's even better to give the gift. Like, you, you give somebody a gift, you wrap it up, you pay, you, you think about it. And it's, even, it's almost more delightful to watch the person you gave the gift to opening up their gift and rejoicing in it, than it is to receive your own gift. Or just think of the example of um, Ebenezer Scrooge, where he was, when he was selfishly just accumulating money for himself, he was miserable, he was a wretch. It was only when he started giving money, looking after the needs of others, that he started to find happiness. People need God. They need Him to be a bigger part of their lives. They will find happiness when that takes place, and we will find happiness in contributing to that process. And so how do we evangelize? Saint Paul gives us the answer I have become all things to all men that I might save at least the sum. There was a Jesuit missionary who went to India. He recognized everybody listens to the Brahmins, these wise men, these individuals that were believed to be philosophers and knowledgeable. And this Jesuit missionary realized, look at them. They are fasting all the time. They're wearing rags. They're living in the mountain in caves. So that's what he started to do. He said, "Okay, everybody in India is listening to these people. And this is how the people are living. They're living with rags and in caves. Okay, I'm going to live in rags. I'm going to live in a cave. I'm going to be fasting. But when another Jesuit missionary went to China, Matteo Ricci, he realized everybody in China listens to authority, to noblemen, to the people who live in the palace. So he dressed himself in fine garments. He got a position in the royal palace. And that was how he evangelized there. They became all things to all men. And that is what we must do as well. Meet them where they're at. Use different approaches to bring them to Christ. Sometimes with arguments, sometimes with witness, sometimes with the goodness of our life. But any and all means to bring people to Christ. Go in through their door and then bring them out through Christ's door, as one bishop put it. So let us ask Mary, the star of the new evangelization, to fill us with that same urgent desire to bring Christ to others that St. Paul was possessed with, so that we might experience the joy of giving Christ and others might experience the joy of living with him.